just think there's always something out there that's new that I can learn, that I can be better at, that I can grow with. And that that's a lot of what drives me mm-hmm. every day. Um, with education to just being a good human being, especially in this crazy world. I'm gonna make another cocktail. I think you should. Hi, thanks for stopping by the Kickash Life podcast. I am so excited that you're here and even more excited to introduce you to my dear friend, Sean Warner. Sean is the owner of SW The Salon in Buckhead, which is located in Atlanta. And I'm sure this comes as a surprise to you, but I need a little help staying blonde. Shocker, right? I was born this way, but maintenance can be a real thing. All right, hold up. Lest you think this discussion is strictly about beauty regimens or just for gals, don't tune out yet. This is a discussion that anyone who owns a business or is in business should consider as a a worthwhile listen because there is no one better than Sean Warner at securing referrals and repeat clients at top dollar rates. Hands down, it's Sean. My dear friend, Stacy Brown Randall, teaches about business referrals. She is a total whiz at it. I'll link her in the show notes because she's got incredible resources and a book on this subject. But Sean, he is a living, breathing example of how to establish lasting client relationships. He's a powerhouse. Okay, if you're not a business owner, maybe you have children in your life. You don't have to be a parent, but maybe you have nieces or nephews or just a child that lights you up. Sean's story is such a beautiful illustration of the impact we have when we see and celebrate our children for who they are. Or maybe you're interested in learning about the art of self-care. Sean has some real tools in place that sustain him personally and as a top performer in his industry. Sean is a creator, he's a savvy business owner, he is full of wisdom and wit and kindness. Sean approaches life wholeheartedly, also with this mischievous glint in his eye that I just love. I am very blessed to call him my friend, and I loved this interview. Before I share it with you, there is one little caveat, and I hope you'll push through this with patience and a love for small, joyful creatures. Because on this day, the dogs at the very beginning would not settle down, not for love, nor money, nor tummy rubs, nor treats. My pets are usually midday nappers, but they showed out this day. And at some point, Sean and I just gave in and kept talking. I think really, and and you'll feel this too, they just loved Sean's energy and being around him. So stick with us through the first little bit as they play and dance and eventually the dogs do settle down and what Sean has to say is too rich to miss. So don't miss it. All right, let's go, let's go. Sean Warner. Yes. Thank you for being here with me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So podcast friends, Sean has kept me blonde for, um, I was trying to figure it out. I know. I thought about it today in the shower too. Yeah. It's like more than 15 years, but less than 20. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would say so. And here's what I remember. 
Okay. Okay. You you are amazing at what you do. Thank you. You are a master colorist, and we'll go into your bio and and all of that in a little bit. But I remember the first time I sat in your chair, and I wasn't feeling so great about myself. And you did the thing with the foils and the blonde and all of this. And when the blow dry was done, I literally wept. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. I had tears rolling down my face because, and I'm tearing up now just thinking about it. I felt beautiful for the first time in a long time. I also felt appreciated and seen. And this is what you do. And this is why I want to talk to you. Okay. And I want to share your story and what you do (laughs) with friends and the, you know, everyone out there. So thank you for that moment. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing life together for at least more than 15 years. Yes, definitely. And it's been one of the great joys of my life. Mine as well. To get to do life with you. Mm -hmm. And so here's the next piece of the puzzle, right? After I was in your chair and I was seeing you for a little while, then Allure magazine named you like... Atlanta's best kept secret mm-hmm. or something like this. Uh, yeah. And I couldn't get on your books. I'm like, why can't I get on your books? And you're like, well, there's this little thing called Allure. And you've been repeat, repeat, repeat recognized by Allure magazine for how amazing you are. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 So how did you get there? Like, how did all of that start? Because you don't just start out being recognized as one of the top in the nation. I mean, do you want to hear, like, the whole, like, how this all began? Yes. All right. Because I, I could take it way, way back. Take it back. All right. So I remember, <laughs> <laughs> I remember at a very young age, I want to say, like, seven or eight, and uh, my parents were still married, and we were going to Red Lobster for dinner. It was a big thing, Friday night. And we passed this um, odd hexagon-shaped building, and I asked my parents what that was. And they mm-hmm. said that, that that was a beauty school. And I was like, I want to go to beauty school. And they were like, no, 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 you don't want to go to beauty school. Absolutely not. Interesting, fast forward a number of years later, I had um, a couple of opportunities to do some modeling things at a young age, and one of them was for a salon in Minneapolis. And uh, this gentleman's name was John Dahl, and he gave me my first set of highlights. And um, I was pretty just blown away. Part two to that, I was also dating a girlfriend who taught me how to highlight my hair with a cat. I remember the cat. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So one night we were, um, she had asked me, she was like, would you help me highlight my hair with this frosting kit? And she had bought an extra one, and we had done hers, and that looked so great. And she's like, let me do yours. So she did mine. This is before the modeling thing. And then, so she did mine and, um, you know, something sparked in me, something happened. And then the modeling thing happened and it was another way of doing things. And then I just kind of started to get crafty. I, I, my mother was very, um, tolerant of us exploring our own personality at that time. And, um, you know, I figured out what these things were and I started to experiment on myself um, and my sister, really. She was my ultimate guinea pig. She's been my <laughs> ultimate guinea pig till this day. But, um, 
Yeah. It started in my bathroom when I was a kid and I used to cut Reynolds wrap and I taught myself how to foil hair. I kind of taught myself how to cut hair. I bought a clippers. I started doing my guy friend's hair in my bathroom and it was just kind of this thing that I did. It was creative. I was an artsy kid. It was just, it was just something I was known for and something that I did. So essentially the deal was you bought the hair color or whatever, and I would be happy to do it for you. So that's how all that started. Sidebar to all of that is yeah. I dropped out of high school and, you know, struggled in that arena big time. So I had been a dropout. I had moved out of my mother's house and, um, this was about 17 and I was fortunate enough to have a very caring aunt that, um, said, listen, there's a school I want you to go look at. And, um, you know, I just want you to go and look at it. And I said, I'm not interested in school. I don't, I'm not interested. And she's like, you know, just humor me. I'll buy you lunch. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll go. At this time I had, you know, long hair down to my shoulders. No way. Blue, you know, piercings. I was a raver at that time. So, you Stop. Know, I did not know this. pants and wallet on a chain and, you know, the whole deal. I'm going to need a picture. Yeah, it was, it was a look. Uh-huh. And um, fortunately enough, Aveda is um, based in Minneapolis and their main institute is in Minneapolis. And that was the school that my aunt had made an appointment for me to interview at. And um, we showed up that day and we walked into this place. It's, mind you, it's this five floor Masonic temple that Horst Ruckelbacher transformed into just basically this beauty, building of beauty, really. And um, it was a magical place. I walked in, everybody looked like me. They were artsy, they were creative, they were doing what they loved. We went through the interview process, we did the, the tour and all of that, and we sat down in the final meeting, and I do remember we, uh, there was an entrance test that you had to take, and it was just ridiculous, because it was, it was 10 questions. And I think, um, you know, there was like a couple of math questions, and one of the questions was, if you were a larger set person, would you wear horizontal stripes or would you wear vertical stripes? No. And then the other one was something to do with the slimming color of black, which I thought was fascinating. But literally yeah. 10 questions for this admitting, admitted. That was your admissions, admissions exam? exam? Yes. Oh, my gosh. You know so, what I love is that your aunt like, saw you. And honored who you were at that moment. She That's did. really special. So um, we went to lunch afterwards, and um, she had planned all of this out for me. She had laid it out and said, you're going to quit your job. You're going to find something part-time that you can do after school. I'm going to pay your rent. I'm going to take care of your utilities. You're going to file for student loans and get this paid for. She was like, I will pay for a small portion of it. And it was small, really. Mm-hmm. Because of my situation, I was able to get quite a bit of support that way. And she was like, you know what? Very simply, if you fuck this up, it's over. We don't know how to help you. We don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was basically, you know, I was making a little over minimum wage and, mm-hmm. you know, surviving at that time very easily with a roommate, but not comfortably by any means. That's not life. That's no. not a life. But I was also 17 years old living oh, on my own. Yeah. So, you know, I was fine with ramen noodles and, you know, instant mashed potatoes. And, oh my gosh, so brave. Well, you know, I mean, my roommate was in at the University of Minnesota. She was doing the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, ironically, um, I left that job, got a job at Caribou Coffee, and it worked out great because it kept me in coffee, and then I always worked closing shifts, <laughs> so then I had sandwiches and muffins. Yeah, you were set. I was stocked. That's genius. Yes, it was great. <laughs> so it, it served me very well. 
So that was really it. I started school and and ironically, I pretty much started when my graduating class would have been starting university. So I kind of didn't miss a beat in that route. And um, off I went. It was the first thing I had accelerated and really shined in in many, many years. I had definitely found my jive. That's so cool that yeah. you found it that, that early. Young, that yes. Young, you know? Yeah. Plus also to being, you know, a high school dropout, you know, I I don't know what I thought. I guess I really didn't think much about my future. It was more like for me living in the now until really, mm-hmm. you know, my aunt was like, listen, you know, it was an opportunity and I took it and I ran with it. Yeah, you did. Ran. I ran hard. Because you ran straight from school to doing runway shows all over the world, right? Or Paris and to New York a certain City, um, right? I was fortunate enough. Um, I stood out in school. Horst Reckelbacher was still with us at that time and, and owned Aveda. It had been sold to uh, Estee Lauder yet. And so he was very present in, in the school, in the institute. And so he would be very involved. And he knew the students that were accelerating and that were, you know, and any opportunity I had to do show work with them or photo work or anything like that would always usually be voluntarily. Mm-hmm. And I always showed up. I always signed up. You know, you mm-hmm. just, I, I learned so much just even from watching him and, and the little bit of work I did just because he was just such an amazing, amazing man. Uh, not to mention an amazing hairdresser. So he had recommended me to Van Michael, which is a huge group down here. Yeah. Um, and then also Don Shaw, who he was very old friends with. And at that time, Don was the artistic director for Intercoiffure, which is the largest hair association in the United States. And, you know, we shot fall and spring looks. You know, we'd put out different, you know, artistic photo shoots for inspiration or what, you know, Intercoiffure was about and mm-hmm. stood for and things like that. And it was an opportunity, yeah, where he took me all over the place and I got very close with that family. Um, They took me in. They treated me like one of their children. And it was amazing. What is it like? How old were you? And then what was it like when you are styling for photo shoots in, like, if I remember correctly, Milan, London? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I was 19, 20. Okay. I was very young. So I thought it was super cool. But, you know, I learned a lot about positioning and, and working on the fly. I mean... You know, so often in those, we were, you know, shampooing hair in little bathroom sinks and, you know, things like that, mixing up color and just, you know, wing-dinging it. But the creative process of all of that and really, you know, having an idea or a theme about what this photo shoot's about, but then how to work with a model, how to pose a model, how to style a model, how to just, you know, all of those things. Work with uncomfortable models, models that are young and, and... you know, don't feel safe, you know. I'm very awkward in front of a camera. Many folks I know are. How do you, when you're working with a model like that, how do you get them to be comfortable? You just kind of talk to them. You and, and you support them. They're, you know, you're like, you're right there, you know. And, and if the photographer's good too, they're good mm-hmm. at getting them comfortable. But sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, when they're young and they don't have a ton of experience, and that mm-hmm. happens a lot, and... Just take your time and work on positioning with them and just try to, you know, coach as much as possible and just keep it easy and light and try not to let people get there. Because sometimes the photographers will get a little, you know, pushy and things like that if they're not getting what they want and, you know, 
So you're kind of mediating. You're kind of mediating at the same time as you're like styling and making sure that they look the best as they possibly can. Yeah, and you're building them up in the chair like you do all day, every day with the rest of us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's where that ability started for you? I think in beauty school, most definitely, I learned the power of the connection. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. I think that, you know, I loved what I did. So the more and more people I met, you become connected. You want to become connected. You look forward to seeing these people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it kind of happens organically, I think, you know, and it, it also depends on the type of hairdresser that you are. I mean, I know many hairdressers that they don't connect with their clients in that manner, and that's not what they're about, you know. There's a lot of danger in that, too. I want to talk about the power of connection. Okay. And, you know, so many of us have sat in your chair for many years. And you've listened to stories, you've listened to, let me put it this way, okay? I met you before I made partner in a law firm. You saw me through that process. Then I made partner. I was on an airplane all the time. I was really pursuing a career. Then I got pregnant. I had a baby. I adopted a baby. I left a marriage. I left a job. And you have seen me through all of that. And... I know I'm not the only person that you sit with for these kinds of life moments. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Of course. Thank you, not just for me, but on behalf of every person that sits in your chair. You are able to meet people with such empathy and kindness and grace, and it's a gift. Thanks. Mm -hmm. So I know that people continue to come to see you because you're so talented. And you make us feel beautiful. But on top of that, you make us feel seen. Tell me about that. I think that I deal with people that aren't seen on the daily, all day long, every day. Um, Whether that be by their families, by their husbands, by just their people around them. And I think that making sure that they feel seen and that they get complimented and that they feel like they're relevant and that they're beautiful and that they're important and that they should feel confident no matter what they are insecure about or think is a flaw for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so many people, our society makes us very, very hard on ourselves. We have these standards that have been placed in front of us that we think we should hold ourselves to, which are completely unrealistic. Mm, tell me about beauty. What, how do you define beauty? Versus maybe how society looks at it. I define beauty by the energy that I receive from somebody Mm. more so than I define by looks. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, unfortunately people, celebrity and, um, you know, families like the Kardashians have done a serious amount of damage to our society. Mm. And um, whether that be male or female, Mm -hmm. I think that they've, tried to create standards that are unrealistic and to be quite honest with you so much of that is is smoke and mirrors as well you know they have great people taking care of them putting on their makeup doing their hair you know all that kind of stuff all day every day an immense amount of surgeries Mm -hmm. and things like that so you know there's a lot of things that society doesn't see behind the scenes with a lot of those kind of people that yeah He's like, I agree. 
I think there's a lot of visual pressure of, of this definition of what beauty is. Mm-hmm. And I'm as guilty as the next. Like, maintenance is important to me. I want to pull it together. I feel better about myself. It makes me more confident. I think some of what you're able to impart in the chair is confidence. Most definitely. But a lot of that, too, stems into, you know, the hot thing of self-care now as well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that self-care promotes confidence. You know? Tell me about self-care. What What is self-care? You know, I think self-care in my definition is, is any time that you take time to make yourself feel good. Mm-hmm. You know? I, so what do you do for self-care? <laughs> what do I do for self-care? Well, fortunately... Um, I have a boyfriend that's an esthetician, so I get facials on the regular. This is why your skin looks amazing well, all the time. Well, it's also important because we are getting older. And, you know, that's the thing, too, that's really interesting to me is that, okay. do you know how many women tell me that they don't use a regular skin regimen? I'm 46 years old in my age category that, that tell me this. And I just, I can't understand because I've been dabbling in eye creams and all of this nonsense since I was a teenager. Yes. So, you know, um, I remember I turning that. 28 and spending an entire fortune on eye creams I'm sure. at I'm 28. Sure. I'm sure. Yes. Um, What's your regimen? My regimen is um, I generally use a basic cleanser. Um, depending on this, the time of year, I use a purifying or a gel cleanser in uh, the summer and then more so of a, a creamy cleanser in the winter, usually CeraVe. Um, or CeraVe, whatever you want to say it. Um, and then I use a Revision DEJ eye cream. Um, I use a vitamin C serum, a hyaluronic acid. Yes um, and yes. A moisturizer. I should be better about sunscreen than I am, but I do wear sunscreen when I lay in the sun. But um, I need to be better about daily use. But, you know. Yeah, but the sun feels so magical. Oh, uh, you yeah. have to tell me twice. And you have a pool. Right. And you need to be Just beside it. Horrible. How is that horrible? Well, it's wonderful in every way, but I love to lay there and like cook my skin like I know. bacon. <laughs> we all have our thing. That's definitely self-care. Yeah, it's totally self-care. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Even if it's just for an hour, I just, I'll make a point to get out there and just float away. I love it. All of my stuff. All the stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, and I meditate from time to time. I um, I work out. I know you do. So, um, you know, and unfortunately my schedule being what it is now is I only really get one day a week. But um, it's everything. Yeah, but you it's laid the foundation important. for it. I did. I did. You did. I did. I right. Was, you know, I had more flexibility before I opened a business, so I was able mm-hmm. to go three days a week, which, you know, worked out well for me. Yeah, you've been consistent for years. I have. Yeah. But so much of that is being able to go in and just blow steam. You know, yeah. push those weights and yeah. just get my aggression out, get my head centered for the week. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's really what self-care is about, is really identifying those things that are going to nurture your soul mm-hmm. for the best. Mm-hmm. Especially now that we have, I mean, we have stressors from the moment we open our eyes till... And for many people throughout the night, you know? Yeah. Um, So I think, you know, those are the kind of things that self-care is important, you know, whether that be spending time with a specific friend or whatever really feeds your soul and really 
makes you feel at peace and centered. Um, I think that's a big thing in, in going back to boundaries with my guests is to, I can't give from an empty cup. Right. So, and I like to give, it's part of my thing. I am an empath most definitely, but I can't give unless I have a full cup. So I try to, I try to feed myself as much as I potentially can. I, I love rest and that's sometimes the self-care that I can give myself in the time that I have is a two hour nap. But, mm, naps you know, are the best, aren't they? Sometimes like that's the best thing I can ever have. It's the best. You know, so. And you have a dog, Samson. I do have a dog, Samson. Does he feed into that? He is, um, yes, he's a very good napper and um, he's just a lot of fun. He's a great distraction. You know, the great thing that I have learned with Samson as opposed to my previous pets is that, and this is another thing that at 46 years old, I'm really trying to live in my life. And even in my work with my clients every day, it's just to be in that moment, Mm -hmm. which is just oh so hard. I mean, it's hard. We've heard it time and time again from everybody from Brene Brown to, you know, the whole gamut. And it is it's 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 hard. But I try to remind myself, you know, when he when he's given me the good stuff. And if you have a pet, you know, the good stuff where they're just connected with you and you're having a moment Mm -hmm. instead of breaking that moment you know, to go do something else or I should be doing this or let me go throw a load of laundry in. Yeah. I just stay in that moment with him. And, and I think it's, it's, it's strengthened our connection so much more. Um, and again, that goes back into what I give to my clients. You know, sometimes it's, even though they know that I'm in a rush and I'm in a hurry, just taking a minute to listen to their final thought, acknowledge it. Absolutely. I heard you, Yeah. you know, Blah, blah, blah. And closing that moment with them, I think, um, also is invaluable. You've seen a lot of us for many years. What do you wish that women knew or people knew about themselves or about their power, about their energy, that you just it just doesn't always show up for folks? From them? Yeah. What do you, what would you love to say? Just... Maybe if there were a universal truth, say, I I, I don't know. For me, I'll give you mine. Mm -hmm. I wish people could see how beautiful they are, how amazing they are when they smile, when they connect, when their eyes light up, when they share a story, when they show up for somebody else. That is so beautiful to me. And I've I wish people could see themselves in that moment. Yeah, most definitely. I agree yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. I, I think, but I think that's also something that, you know, very much either upbringing or society has created for so many people is that insecurity to really feel comfortable to be themselves mm-hmm. and to own that, really to own like, this is me, Yeah. you know, and it, it doesn't have to be in a bad way. Take it or leave it. But this is me, and I think I'm great, and I think I'm beautiful, and I think I have a lot to offer. And owning their power, really. You know, I think that's so much what I would like to see is people to own their power because everybody has it. It's just a matter of learning how to tap into it and to own it. And it's not about being a bitch or any of that kind of stuff. It's, Mm -hmm. It's about owning who you are and what you stand for and what's important to you. 
Do you think it takes maybe some folks a lifetime, some folks longer than others Mm. to actually start to ask the question, what do I stand for? A hundred percent. I think that so many people don't know what they stand for. Um, Mm. When I have conversations with people all day long, um, I very quickly can see the people that don't know what they stand for. And they're waiting for my answer to say what they stand for. Mm. And I think that's kind of sad because I think, but we're not all introspective like that. Right now. We can't all be. Nothing would ever get done. Right. You know, and that's the thing too, is that I think that a lot of people, they're not into that introspection. And I think that a lot of human beings have a really hard time stepping outside of themselves and looking back and Mm. and figuring that out and being okay with that. Um, it's hard to look under the hood. It is. It's very hard to look under the hood. And it's it's hard to put that microscope on yourself. But I think through that, growth comes. And thinking about what... I don't think people think through what they want to put out or what they want to portray. Does that make sense? I, I think you're right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we have our thoughts and we have our feelings and we have our ideas about who we are. But then yet, so often, I think, either from outside influences or whatever the case may be, we don't own that. We don't own who who we are and, and feel no shame about that. And I think that's that's a big thing too. That I think makes... there are phases of life where we we go through I completely own who I am. I have no idea who right. I am. Most definitely now I'm owning it. Most now, definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. And I think we just care less and less about how who we are influences others as we age. That's something that I've definitely learned at 46 years old is the, the more and more that this goes on, the less and less I really care. And especially since I've opened a business. Yeah. Let's talk about that. The one thing that I've so learned is the fact that I need to stop. And I, I really try hard not to compare myself to others. Because really, I'm living my path. I'm living my truth. I'm living my journey. So what I've chosen and the direction I've chose to go, a lot of it has been very guttural since I've done all of this. It's very, you know, I, I'm, I'm listening to that voice inside my head. And you know what? If it really doesn't feel right, it's not it. And then you have these moments of just like unbelievable clarity of idea. And then you put it into effect and then it just takes and you're like, wow, where did that come from? I mean, it's just, I don't know. I go back to the whole, you know, let go and let God, because really in a lot of ways, it's interesting how, and and for me, how that has just shown up in my life. You know, I'm just... I've asked for like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't mean to turn this into religious, but at the same time, that is a guiding force for me oh, as a person. It's really maybe religious, but there's faith. There's but such there's a definite faith, faith definite that this faith. is going to play out well, for right. you. You know, like I am at the end of my tether here. Okay. Like you have tested me till I can't be tested anymore. And then magically there's a breakthrough. And I think that that has definitely strengthened that part of my life. I think also to trusting in my personal intuition a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that because in before the pandemic hit, 
you had this dream for a long time mm-hmm. of opening your own salon. Right. Um, you were the chief colorist, master colorist at another major salon in town. But I knew as your friend that this was a dream that you had. And then things shifted and the world shifted. And suddenly you just pulled the plug and said, I'm going to go do this. Tell me about that process. Initially, I didn't, though. I mean, initially, you know, when all of this was coming out, I decided, you know, you and I had been working together since the fall of 2019 to start my business plan and really get all the ducks in the road to make this happen for the summer of 2020. Right. And then the world shut down. And... You know, my empathy came into play most definitely, and I felt for my previous owner, and, you know, I thought to myself, well, you know what, it's a safe place for me to get my clientele back up and running and get back up to full speed and get my people taken care of, and then, you know, let's watch what the economic climate does, realist, you know, there's so many factors in opening a business, obviously, that, you know, I needed to feel a little more confident before I move forward. And it was very obvious to me in the first three days of returning to my previous salon that that was not what their intention was for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I was met with a lot of um, lack of support in trying to take care of my clients, trying to get business back on track, trying to support me as their color director of 17 years. And I felt completely unsupported and I resigned after 17 years. So yeah, it was a huge, it was a huge jump, but you know, with the momentum of that time and all the, the change that was going on and we, there was so much uncertainty with our world moving forward that it was just such a like, well, fuck it. Let's just see what right? happens. You know what I mean? And Well, the timing was so interesting because you can create all these grand plans of how it's going to be and how it's going to play out. And you've got your business plan and you've got your numbers and you've got da, 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 da. And then life happens and it takes a sharp right turn. And it doesn't, it, I know for you, it didn't happen at all the way you planned. No, not at all. At all. Not in the least. It had nothing to do with what we had, yeah. had really worked on. At all. And, um, you know, it just, it, it there's a lot of humanity behind all of it. You know, it's it's fascinating how all of this moves from one thing to the next. And before I knew it, the location that I'm in now was in front of my face. And I was presented with a really awesome opportunity. And again, I said to myself, fuck it, here we go. <laughs> Why not? Right. Why not? And I jumped. And that is currently where we are. That's currently where we've been for the last almost three years. In August, it'll be three years. And... Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a fantastic home. It's it's given me great opportunity for growth. I have two stylists now. I have an assistant that's full time. Um, I'm currently looking for more employees to continue to grow. And you know, there's been huge challenges along the way, but you know, with every peak, there's just another mountain to climb. Yeah. But you know, with all of that, there's just this whole been there, done that. Okay, that, that's old hat. We we know how to do that. Okay, so what's the next challenge? And I find more and more that everything that's thrown at me, I really have less, it has less power against me. I, I heard a phrase a couple of years ago, um, my give a damn is broken. Yeah, Yeah. it is. 
It's broken. Because you know what? I can figure it out. I'll figure it out. out. And you know what? It's going to work out. But do you know what I love about what you've created is back when we were doing all the planning and all the thinking and the overthinking and the overthinking, you have kind of on the fly created exactly what you said you wanted to create, which is a place of peace and ease and calm and just like like a place where folks can just take a minute out of their day and breathe. It's so funny that you bring this up because I just came across it when I was going through paperwork and I was going through files in my computer. And then, oh, and if you remember our what was our mission statement or what whatever it was okay. was um, just to create a place of connection and creativity mm-hmm. comes together is what SW the salon is all about and. And in such an unplanned way, that's what's happened. Because it's a reflection of you. Right. I mean, I think the intention Mm -hmm. was there from the beginning. Always. And you just push and you go and you push. And then it is. There's there's so many moments, Ashley, when I'm, I'm turning off the lights and it's just me at the end of the day. And I look back at what I've created and just, you know, thrown it to the wind and just, it's, it's been incredible. It's been amazing. Is it different when it's yours? A hundred percent. How? hundred percent. Um, because you know what, the people that work with me, they want to work with, they choose to be there. Yeah. Um, my clients choose to be a part of what SW is about now. Mm-hmm. You can see the energy when people walk in. And I hate to say this because it's, there's moments when I kind of feel like it's, you know, still Magnolia's and it's Dolly Parton's, you know, house, whatever. Look at me now. It takes some effort to look like this. I don't trust anybody that does their own hair. I don't think it's normal. Oh, come on. Yeah. But at the same time, that comfortableness and that ease for my guests mm-hmm. and coming into another part of my life and my home. I mean, I spend so much time there and it is, it's another extension of my home. And I love that it's that comfortable. I want to circle back to this thing about mirrors, right? Because when we sit in that chair, I think I could look at me in the mirror of your current salon versus your old salon and see a different version of me just because of the energy that's reflected in the space mm-hmm. that's bouncing off of you. Like you're, you have shifted, mm-hmm. your approach has changed. You get to be more fully you, your, I see you alive and also at peace, but also so full of energy and creativity. And I think that reflects back to folks as they are sitting there looking in the mirror. It's hard to look into a mirror sometimes. Oh, definitely. And, and then you're going to put a black cape on you. Yeah. And half the time your head's wet. Yeah. And, you know, they're harsh lights because we're doing what we're doing. So right. it's 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 a very um, raw space to be in. It's a very vulnerable space to be in. Yeah. Let's say that. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, sometimes you're not looking your best. But ultimately when you come out, you should be. I think a lot of times what I see you doing is plugging in people – to highlight their talents. Right. Right. I, I have seen you do that even back in, in your old salon when you were responsible for training people and, and bringing people along is finding 
the way to relate to somebody's talent and bringing it forward. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. just appreciate that about you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's, um, I mean, we should all uh, play to our strengths, I think. When we do, it you know, Great up. things happen. You know what I mean? I think that, you know, being aware of what your strengths are, yeah, and playing towards it is, is a great thing. I also like supporting people. I mean, you know, it's not easy doing what we do and living life and grinding and, you know, so yeah, I, and that's part of my business growing is that I want to grow people. I had great influencers in my life all of this, every step of the way. And I want to be something like that for somebody else. I want to reflect to you how much I love you. I love you too. What a deep impact you've had on my life. The way that you show up, not just for me, but the way I see you show up for everybody around you reminds me every six to eight weeks how <laughs> how I it reflects to me how I want to show up for people. And you remind me of that. And I appreciate that so much because I really think that you start and end from a place of love mm-hmm. and it's reflected in your work and it's reflected in your relationships and your business and all of it, all of it carries through. And I am so grateful for you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm grateful for you as well. You've been a huge influence in my life for a long, long time. And we've been through a lot of things together. And I think that um, I'm forever grateful for and the guidance and the, the the great conversations, the many laughs. Um, some tears. Some tears, most yeah. definitely. But and a right, lot of laughs. Rightfully so. A, a lot, lot of laughs and a lot of great times. But, um, <laughs> well, here's to doing life together. Here it is, yes. And definitely. spreading joy and beauty and confidence and love mm-hmm. all around, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. 100%. Always. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Isn't Sean the best? All right, here are the takeaways. Sean's wisdom. Number one, be open to children exploring their own personalities. You never know what incredible journeys will come of it and the lives that can be touched along the way. Number two, see others, honor and support who they are. Number three, want to get the opportunities? Volunteer, sign up, show up. Number four, the key to loyal clients, make people feel seen and relevant and beautiful and that they can feel confident no matter what they might be insecure about or think is a flaw for them. Make people feel seen. Number five, our society makes us very hard on ourselves. Recognize this. Number six, this is fun. Have a skincare regimen, please. Sean's, as a refresher, includes CeraVe cleansers, an eye cream, vitamin C serum, hyaluronic acid, moisturizer, sometimes a little sunscreen, and a boyfriend who is an esthetician. Does not hurt. All right, mine, as a side note, my skincare routine is a mix of True Botanicals, which is a super clean line. And also my friend Susie Hardy has a company called CBD Fountain, 
And she has this great skincare line. She didn't know I was going to say this, but um, love you, Susie. I'll put a link in the show notes. She has this vitamin C CBD moisturizer that is absolutely divine. It is one of my life's greatest pleasures. So check it out. And everything she does is terrific. So have a skincare regimen. That was fun. Number seven, self-care is identifying those things that nurture your soul. In a world full of stressors, find what makes you feel at peace and centered. Number eight, naps are the best. Naps with a dog, even better. Number nine, be in the moment. It strengthens connections with our pets, with our clients, with our people. Number 10, I love this. Sean said, I would like to see people owning their power because everybody has it. It's just a matter of learning how to tap into it and to own it. It's not about being a bitch or any of that. It's about owning who you are and what you stand for and what's important to you. So good. Number 11, upon opening a business, Sean reflects, I try hard not to compare myself to others because really I'm living my path, my truth, my journey. Number 12, with every peak, I find there's just another mountain to climb. Number 13, Sean says, I find more and more that everything that's thrown at me, it has less power against me. Number 14, be aware of what your strengths are and play toward them. And number 15, create a place where connection and creativity come together. That's where the magic happens, folks. It's so good. I'm so grateful for this time with Sean. Thank you for spending your time with us. Thank you for listening. If this resonated with you, please subscribe to the Kickash Life podcast or send this episode along. And there's so much more ahead, so stick around. And if you're in the Atlanta area, check out SW, the salon. It's a great place. It's incredible. I am wishing you the best week. Be well, laugh hard, love fully. Until next time.